thanks to, uh-oh, her name just escaped me. Thanks to, oh, Timey. Timey. Yes. She said, she saw this and she thought of me because she said, every time you come, you tell that story. <laughs> well, I don't need to tell it then, do I? Because you already know it. You know it. Good for you. And for me, this is you standing with me, right? And, and, and I told you that giraffes care for each other, and we need to care for each other. So thank you for caring for me. Thank you. Okay, Nina Itwa, Marcia, Nime Okoka, Ninam Penda Yesu. Anybody know what I said? I said, my name is Marcia Anderson. I'm born again, and I love Jesus. Amen? Amen? Do you love him? Well, if you were in my place, if I were preaching to a congregation in Kenya, I would need to start that way, or they wouldn't have thought that I had started properly. If I were a man, I'd have to say, and I have only one wife. <laughs> Well, because that's, that's a new thing for them, because most have come from polygamous families. Well, I didn't come to talk about that. I do have something that I didn't have with me the last time. I think some of you bought tea without sugar one time, but I've revised it, and it has colored pictures. And this is stories of 16 graduates of our college. Now, why is it tea without sugar? Well, because sugar got very expensive. Someone hoarded it. And because of that, it was so expensive that uh, the friends of one of the young guys whose story is in here, he said, my friends are complaining they can't even afford sugar in their tea. And he said it made me mad because he said, there are many times I remember not even having tea. So he said, I was preaching all the way to your house. And I was remembering all of the difficult things I'd gone through. And I realized that God was chastening me because I have a destiny. And so I said, that's the name of the book. Tea without sugar, chastened for a destiny. So if you'd like a copy of that, or if you'd like a copy of The Shepherd's Network, which is my story, well, it's not finished yet, but... But God has been so faithful. He links us all together, doesn't he, in his network. And so if you're interested in either one of those books, you can see Carol afterwards. She has them. And they are free for a donation. How's that? Uh, all of the money from those books goes towards scholarships for Africans who need help going to school. And your pastor knows how expensive it is to go to school, and it's expensive for them too. So, I dressed up in my headdress today. You know, I always love to wear African clothes, even in Africa. Every Sunday when I go to church, I always wear African dress, but I never wear this because I think I look dorky. <laughs> Do you understand that word? But I decided 
my last, my last trip that, that I'd humble myself <laughs> and wear it. You know, uh, what's happening all over the world is that people think they have to be like the people on TV. And I don't like that. Because I think Africans have beautiful clothes and they should wear what Africans have traditionally worn. Because God loves us all just the way we are, doesn't he? And I'm so glad. Well, today I want to talk to you about a second chance. I don't know about you, but I've had a good many second chances. Have you? And our God is a God of second chances. As I get ready to leave the mission field, after 27 years as a missionary, I'm not leaving completely, though. You know, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard for a teacher to quit completely. So my superintendent said something that just made my heart sing. He said, don't give up your project number. Don't give up being an associate missionary because we'll want you to come back sometimes and teach. And I said, wow, that's great. I'd like that too. I taught in Zambia, though I live in Kenya, in March, and that was wonderful. And I'm going to teach in Abu Dhabi. Do you know where that is? In the United Arab Emirates in September on my final return here. I'll be living in Ohio. My sister needs me. You know, family need to take care of one another. The Bible says if we don't take care of our own family, we're worse than infidels. So this last trip around is, I, I wanted to come and say thank you. Thank you for standing with me, for being a giraffe with me. <laughs> thank you for your faithful support. And I wanted to encourage you to not stop thinking about Africa. And so what I'd like you to ask you to do is to give your support to support a pastor from another country who needs to come to Kenya to study. Would you do that? Just do it. Say, you know, we're thankful that Marcia was there. We, we stood with her, and now we're going to stand with because we believe you can do it. We believe that you can preach the gospel in your own country, and we want to help prepare you. So that's my heart. I hope you'll pray with your pastor, and you will consider that. That would make me very happy. A second chance. You know, I'm writing a commentary on the book of 1 Samuel. I never contemplated doing something ever in my whole life. And yet the Lord said he wants me to do this. It's a Pentecostal commentary. So when you think about me, pray for me in this big project. But as I've been doing it, it has made me think uh, more about the man Samuel. I don't know what you remember about Samuel. Maybe you remember that as a little boy, God t spoke to him. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel thought it was Eli calling. He didn't know his voice. And, and Eli didn't catch on that God was talking to this little boy either. 
until after three times. And then he said, tell him, um, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, if you want a second chance today, you need to begin to listen to the Lord. Did you know that he's talking to you? Eli had stopped listening. But Samuel learned to listen to the Lord. And God gave him big jobs to do. He anointed Saul as the first king, right? And, and Samuel thought, oh, I don't like that. God, you're supposed to be the king. Why do they want a king? Do you remember that? And God said a surprising thing. He said, listen to the voice of the people. Now, if you've read your Bible carefully, you'll notice that that expression comes now and again. Listen to the voice. Remember Adam and Eve? Well, God said to Adam, because you listened to the voice of your wife, farming is going to get tough, right? Well, what did he mean? Are you not supposed to listen when your wife talks? That would be disastrous, wouldn't it? But listen to the voice of means to obey. And what God is saying to Adam is, because you obeyed your wife instead of me. Yeah? You see, listening to the voice of means heeding, hearkening, obeying. Now God has told Samuel, listen to the voice of the people. And Samuel is thinking, what? But you're supposed to be king, Lord. And God said, well, he said, don't, don't feel bad. I know you feel like they're rejecting you, but they're really rejecting me. But I'm willing, now listen to this, to give them a second chance. God was willing to still work with Israel, wasn't he? If your king and you will listen to my voice, this can work. I can work through a king. I made plans way back in Deuteronomy. Your pastor knows that. In, in chapter 18, if you want to look it up, and told you what would happen if you, when you wanted a king. So Samuel said, okay, Lord. But God said, when you give them a king, you better warn them. Warn them what will happen. This king might take your children, make them servants, might take your money. <laughs> he might do a lot of things that I didn't want him to do. So you be, you be sure to warn them. So, so Samuel warned them, and God gave them a king. He gave them Saul. And Samuel became a mentor. Do you know what a mentor is? Yeah. Mentor somebody who stands beside you and, and teaches you and trains you. And I like to think I'm a mentor. And I think Samuel grew to love Saul. 
When he was anointed, he turned into another man and he was able to fight the Ammonites and defeat them and wow, it was great. But early on, he forgot to listen. He forgot to listen to Samuel. And what happened? Samuel was a little late. I think he was African. <laughs> you know. Or maybe like some of you, you guys on, on Robin's route <laughs> got scolded this morning. <laughs> because, Sam, because Samuel did not come on time. He came a little bit later. And Saul didn't wait for him. And Saul made the offering himself. And Samuel said, uh-uh, you didn't listen. And so God is going to find somebody else. Oh, Saul had just started. <laughs> well, our passage for today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Will you turn there, please? And Samuel said to Saul, this is verse 1, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. I'm only going to read that one verse, but I'm going to tell you what comes afterwards. Samuel said, do you know, remember those Amalekites? Remember that when they came out of Egypt, they attacked us. And God got angry because the Amalekites attacked his people. And so he said, we're going to destroy you. You're going to be destroyed completely because you did not respect that these are my people. They, they were, had been slaves. They didn't know how to fight. So do you need a Bible or what? Everything okay? Okay. So where am I? <laughs> I, I lost my way. So that happened in chapter 13. And God said to, to Saul through Samuel, you're not going to be able to continue as king. But something happens now in what we just read. Listen to what it says. The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. And, and I put in there, and he doesn't make mistakes. He sent me anointed you. You're my kid. I want you to have another chance. I want you to have a second chance. Now, it's not there in your Bible, is it? But why, if God has already told Saul you're not going to be able to continue as king, does he give them this assignment in chapter 15? That's the only thing that makes sense to me. God is saying, okay, Samuel, I heard, I heard. You know, when God told Abraham that the city of Sodom was going to be destroyed, Abraham said, well, wait a minute. What if there's some faithful people there? What if there's 50 people? Remember the story? And did God listen to Abraham? Yes. So I picture Samuel coming to God and saying, but wait, God. Saul just got started. It's too soon to decide that he won't listen. Please, can we give him another chance? 
So forgive me for adding words to the Bible, but that's what I, that's what I feel has happened here. I anointed you king of Israel. I'm the one that did it. I'm your mentor. I'm not going to let you go that easily. I believe God can give you a second chance. If you will defeat these Amalekites, well, you will please God. And then the next verse. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. You see, there was a condition, wasn't there, of having a second chance. You've got to listen to the Lord. You've got to fight this battle God's way, not your way. I've grown to love Samuel as I've, as I've studied this. Um, it, Saul didn't listen, and it grieved Samuel so much. He failed at the second chance, didn't he? And in chapter, the very next chapter, chapter 16, God says this, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? I'm going to let you anoint someone else. Do you see the care? Samuel was grieving over Saul. He was a mentor. He had a heart for his people. I believe God wants us to have a heart for his people. They make mistakes. Sometimes willful ones. Am I right? And yet, God is there loving them, reaching out to them. Samuel had wanted a second chance for Israel early on. Uh, he had when they asked for a king, and God had, had given it to them. But Samuel says something there that I want to remind you of. Samuel said, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I don't know. You are, many of you are parents. Do your children make mistakes? Do your children disobey you sometimes? Okay. Do you stop praying for them? Do you stop caring for them? All right, if you're, if you're a giraffe Christian, when somebody makes a mistake, they may even have to be disfellowshipped from the church, do you give up on them? No. You have to treat them a little differently. You have to treat them like pagans or tax collectors. In other words, you have to preach the gospel to them again because they need to repent. But when they repent, you need to celebrate. And you need to bring them back. So I've, I've thought a lot about Samuel in these days because, because the Lord has brought things into my own life that have made me realize what it means to be a leader and what it means to be a mentor. Three years ago, I was here with you. Is that right? When I was here with you, I had cancer, but I didn't know it. I knew I needed surgery, but I never dreamt it was cancer because I had had a biopsy two and a half years before, and they had said that there was nothing. They had missed it. So I thought, no problem. 
But you know, the cancer wasn't really a big deal. You know, cancer isn't a big deal when we belong to the Lord, because whether we live or whether we die, we'll be with him. That was not a big deal. You know what was a big deal? Was the things that happened in the church and the college at about the same time. That was the big deal. A new bishop had come over the state of, over the country of Kenya. And a new director had come over the college and they were both Kenyans. And you know what? They felt unsure of themselves. They felt like Saul who hid behind the baggage. I mean, how much more unsure could you be? And so instead of remembering the things that they had been taught at the college, and I had mentored both of them. I had helped them go for more schooling beyond our college. They went back to African ways of leading. Uh, Africans often have what's called a crab mentality. I don't know if you know what a crab is. Do you? Those little animals in the sea that have big claws and, and they move sideways. Well, if you put one crab in a bucket, it will crawl out. But if you put two in there, they won't crawl out. Do you know why? They keep each other down. They don't let each other crawl out. So in Africa, traditionally, you don't let people get too big. If somebody gets too big, you push him down. You push him down like a crab. And that's what they did. So that the, the new director and the new national bishop got their opportunity because our academic dean was talking with a young student, a woman, late at night, shouldn't have been, and he was indiscreet and should have been reprimanded. But how do you recommend, reprimand people? If, if someone does something wrong, do you kick them out? No, you talk to them, don't you? But nobody talks to him. And it, it grieved my heart. Finally, he was kicked out of his house. He was also pastor of the church there. They told him, you have to get out immediately. His salary was cut off immediately. He was removed from his position in the college. And no one had talked to him. They put him through a trial and then a second one, and he's not even allowed to come on campus. My heart broke. I understood how Samuel felt when Saul failed. And I and another missionary protested. Well, the result of that was that we were, we were disciplined and we were asked to apologize. Well, it's easy to apologize. You can say, you know, I'm sorry that the things I said and wrote hurt you. You can say that, even if you didn't do any wrong. And so that's what I did. And it, but it was a hard time because I was so disappointed. Do you understand that? 
But God is so gracious. I had come to North Dakota camp meeting. Now, I think this should be a plug for North Dakota camp meeting. And we had had a time three years ago when we prayed for each other, and, a, and another missionary prayed for me. And when she prayed, the way she began her prayer made me know that I had better listen to this because it was a very personal thing. That only. Yes. Patty Stallings. And uh, so you know her. Well, I didn't mention her name because that's not what's important. What's important is that God spoke a word and I listened. And what he said was this. He said, I have a job for you to do that no one else is qualified to do, and you're perfect for this job. I thought, that's strange. I already have a job. I'm dean of students at the college. I have many things to do. Well, in the process of all of this turmoil at the college, I had resigned as dean of students. I had just had cancer. I was recuperating. It was just too much for me, so I resigned. But then World Missions did something unique. They decided that we could become a constituent college of ASCM in the Philippines, where I used to be before I came here and met all of you. Well, in order for that to happen, um, they had to have a head of the program who had a PhD and years of experience. I was the only one. So when they asked me, I knew that was it. That was the assignment. I needed to do it. Now, it was at a time when I really wanted to withdraw, you know? It wasn't a very pleasant place to be or to work. I don't know if you've been in that kind of a place. But because the Lord said it and because I listened to him, I plunged right in. They were amazed that I agreed to do it. But God had said to do it. Listen, people, if you will listen to God, no matter how unpleasant or difficult your circumstances are, God's grace is greater. He gave me the ability to love them and to forgive them and to give them a second chance. Isn't that what we want? Well, the result is that, that the, the new director comes to me for counsel. How's that? God turned everything around because I was willing to listen to him. Because I was willing to trust him in a hard situation. But you have to listen. Well, then something really unexpected happened. I thought I was going to stay in Africa all my life. I even built a house there. And the Lord had told me it's the, an ark. Well, what do you need an ark for? If God tells you, you've built an ark, what's coming? A flood. <laughs> and that's exactly what came. I thought it was a place of refuge for the missionaries who were going to come and stay at my house. I never dreamt it was a place of refuge for me. Oh, God has such a sense of humor. Anyway, I thought I was going to stay there forever, but... 
when I built the house, the only one who didn't like it was my big sister. My big sister says, now wait a minute, why are you doing this? I said, don't worry, if you need me, I'll come back. Well, in December, her husband, who was 93, got put in in a nursing home. He had an incident on the, out on the highway where suddenly he's, he's driving the wrong direction and something had happened in his brain and he's had to be put in a nursing home. And I said, well, I'll come if you need me. I never dreamt she'd say, come. She did. Come. So I came. I was here three weeks in December with my sister. And then I thought, well, she, she can manage. It'll be all right. But there, in the back of my mind, there was this little thing. She has no children. She has rheumatoid arthritis. She's 79. She needs me. The college needs me. Okay? Ever been in a place like that before? God, you gave me this assignment. And I promised this. Have you been there? One night I was lying in my bed and I was meditating. I was talking to the Lord about it. And he just lifted the college off. He said, it's okay, you go back and help your sister. I'll take care of the college. The next day I was supposed to go and get a bond. You know missionaries have to have a bond? If we, if we get in trouble... The government will have money to pay for the mess we've made. Well, it used to be that the church had, would have the bond, but now things are getting tougher for missionaries, so each one of us had to have a bond of $1,000. So the director, the ex-director went, and, and because he has a car, I don't have a car, he could go to his car insurance company and they gave him a bond for $70. Well, the only place I had to go was my bank. I went to the bank. They told me, you put $1,000 in an account, you can't touch it for three years. That's our guarantee. Plus pay $50 each year for the privilege of our keeping your money. <laughs> I said, I think it's time for me to live, leave Kenya. <laughs> God confirmed it through that, through, through the former director who said, you know, something like that happened to me. One day I was out mowing the lawn in Washington, D.C. I was assistant pastor, and God just lifted that church off of me. You know, if you're listening, he'll tell you when it's time to come, and he'll tell you when it's time to go. And he said, don't let anybody put you under condemnation because of this decision. Well, they did not like my leaving. They were either angry or sad. <laughs> but I knew that I had heard from God. And if you've heard from God, then it's not a problem. It was a good time for me to leave because relationships were good all around. Had I left two years before... When the flood was there, it would have been bad. But you see, God is so gracious. He knows the time. And he wants to give them a second chance as much as he's wanted to give me a second chance. It's time for the Kenyans to run the college.
Isn't that good? Yes, they've made some mistakes. But how do we learn? We learn by making mistakes, don't we? So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know, maybe you need a second chance. Maybe you've not been listening. Maybe you've been listening to other voices. There are plenty of them, aren't there? Television, radio, not just those things. Money, ambition, what our family wants, maybe. Maybe it's not what God wants for you. Maybe it is. Who are you listening to? Maybe God has said something to you, but you didn't really like it. You know, I have to tell you the truth, I never wanted to come back to America. I loved where I worked. And I, I would tell people, if God wants me to come back to America, he's going to have to shout loudly. He really didn't have to shout. But I love being a missionary. I love being a teacher. God has good plans for us. If you feel this morning like maybe you haven't listened to God, you heard something he said, but you've not, you've not obeyed it. God wants to give you a second chance. He's speaking to you today, isn't he? Or maybe you have a friend or family member and you know that they need a second chance. There are lots of empty seats here. There are some people who have been in this church and they're out there now. And they need to hear. We at New Life want to give you a second chance. We still love you. We miss you. We wish you were sitting in those chairs with us. So, if the Lord has just brought someone to your mind, if it's you who needs a second chance, or if it's someone else who needs a second chance to hear from God, I want you to come to the front and we're going to pray. You don't have to tell me which it is, and you don't have to tell anybody back there what it is, but you come up and we're going to pray. Because God is a God who loves us. He sees us together, not apart. He sees us giraffes who listen and care for each other's back. Oh, come on, there are more of you. Let's all stand. That'll make it easier for you to come to the front. There are more of you that have somebody on your heart. All of you stand, please, with me.